moving into the seven figure mark, it becomes more about your systems because they break and they break often. You know, there's, there's a, there's a big gap in between 1 million and 10 million. You know what I mean? Um, and that gap, uh, you know, requires a lot of personal development because you need to be quick to fix the systems, but you also need to be quick to lead people to help them when they're experiencing challenges. Welcome to seven to eight, our special series on seven and eight figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over seven figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to Center Stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much for being here today. No problem, Michelle. I'm looking forward to having a chat. Excellent. I love the fact that you have an Irish accent on <laughs> How long have you been there? <laughs> I can't um, help but notice that one. Yeah, back and forth since I was about 14. So oh, okay. it, it, it kind of depends on my environment, but the, you know, the accent swings back and forth. I, w- I watch a movie and all of a sudden I have an accent. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Awesome. So give everybody a highlight of who you are and, uh, and, and your business. What do you, an interest? Sure. So the name of the company is uh, Professional Hair Labs. We're a cosmetic manufacturer. So we, we manufacture cosmetic bonding adhesives for the hair and beauty industry. But more recently, we've expanded our services into a deeper range of cosmetic products. So we do everything from hair care, skin care, um, you know, um, tanning products, uh, sanitizers, anything in the cosmetic space apart from powders or lipsticks, we do. So it's been a really interesting journey. Um, the business is comprised of myself and my two brothers. I'm the CEO. My brother, Daryl, is the president and my brother, David, is the chief operating officer. So. Uh, between the three of us, we are able to kind of strategically lead the uh, the, the the way for the you know the, the different locations to to perform the way we need them to to keep the company growing. That's awesome. So, how did you get into hair adhesives as a thing? Good question. Uh, <laughs> it, I've kind of been involved, or my brothers as well have been around the hair industry for our whole lives. My mother was a master hair technician. Uh, my father was a business owner. Um, they opened up a hair replacement studio. And throughout the years of using the different products in the industry, uh, in the early 90s, my mother got chemical poisoning and she had to retire early. Uh, so that forced them into a position where my dad decided to sell the hair replacement studios. And he uh, shifted his focus to create a product line that was safe for technicians and, and hair wearers. So it started there and naturally because it was a new product, um, it took quite a while for the industry to come around to the application methods and using, you know, something that was so different to the way they had always done it. So that le- that literally kind of led to the business being uh, stagnant almost for 15 years, operating in the very low six figures. You know, I think it was like 250, 270 uh, per year. And um, in 2009, uh, my dad myself had a conversation. He wasn't really happy with the direction the company was going because it wasn't really going anywhere. Uh, So he asked, would I move over to have a look at it? Maybe we could, you know, try to move it forward. And uh, at the time it was myself and my wife and we had one daughter. And I said, you know, I kind of turned him down at first. I wasn't really interested in making the move, but uh, it was in the middle of the economic crash in 2008, 2009. So uh, it was actually a perfect opportunity to, to, you know, to pivot because I was working in sales and marketing in an industry that was predominantly hit, which was construction. And, um, you know, we moved 
And uh, what we did is then I spent the first six months learning about the business when we moved over, uh, looking at the operations, the marketing, the branding, everything about the company. And uh, we stripped everything back. We rebuilt the branding. We rebuilt the messaging, website, everything to do with the business and the products. And um, I spent about three months manually building a um, an Excel sheet of all the hair replacement studios in the United States because in 2009, it was difficult enough to find legitimate and, and accurate scrapers. So through Google listings, went through and built this um, built this database, and we had about five thousand at the end of the three months. So we decided that to launch this new product that that we were going to bring to the market, along with our new messaging and branding, we do a direct mail campaign. So uh, that tripled revenue in eighteen months. Uh, so nice. it was three really simple pillars that, that we focused on that made the biggest impact. And from there, it just kind of um, started to grow year on year. And we expanded our operations into Ireland to uh, distribute globally. Um, so it's kind of went from there. Uh, there's a lot of lessons and stories in between, but that's really the, the bird's eye view of the company. Oh, that's awesome. So let's kind of back up the bus a little bit for people who don't know what hair adhesive is. Because <laughs> I know until I got extensions, it was like, the what? <laughs> so <laughs> kind of back up and kind of what is it? Who's it for? And all that kind of fun sure. stuff. So um, adhesive, wig glue, hair glue, cosmetic bonding adhesive, whatever term you want to put on it. It's, it's a product that's used to attach a hair system or a wig to the scalp. So historically, individuals who have lost their hair through hereditary means or through health issues, um, they've had two choices. They've had the surgical route, you know, transplant route, or they've had the non-surgical route, which is hair systems and wigs. Uh, our products are in the non-surgical side. So basically, they would apply this adhesive to the scalp, and then they would use that adhesive to attach the hair piece or the hair system or the wig to, to, to the scalp area. And it was used for many years in that industry as, you know, kind of a, uh, the only option other than tape to attach those uh, units. Uh, but more uh, recently, over the last five years, it's become very common uh, in the industry to use those products to uh, just for leisurely purposes, like individuals who want to change their hair color. They wear a new wig every day and they just apply it to the front hairline rather than the the, the full scalp. So that that's really what the product does, and it's um, it's applications met the application methods that we originally developed it for have now expanded. We've you know found through our testing and feedback that they can do eyebrows, eyelashes, uh, face gems. So you know they've moved from a hair studio into a film studio. You know, so a lot of you know a lot of productions would use our products as well. Um, it's just been yeah, it's been a really amazing journey. When you know realizing that focusing on safety first and putting people first has really led to a whole industry exploring different ways that they could change the way that they do things. I love it. So what made you decide to expand into then the cosmetic side of things? Well, when we realized that the impact our product was having and the fact that we are so focused on keeping the core mission of safety first at, at the, you know, at the foundations of everything we do, we realized through you know our research over the years that you know, there's a lot of ingredients that are still commonly used in in cosmetics that really shouldn't be and they're really all predicated around the area of manufacturing or, or the location for example you've got a lot more uh, ingredients in europe that are banned in cosmetic use than there is in the us um so we decided to really uh you know dig deep and figure out what solutions we could offer to the marketplace uh, manufacturing to the EU guidelines rather than the US. And that's why we decided our principal manufacturing facility was going to be located in Europe because uh, it usually carries a lot more um, 
uh, it just it carries a lot more weight when you're manufacturing. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you manufacture in compliance with EU regulations, you pretty much solve most of the problems exporting. So we said, look, we'll focus here and we'll uh, we'll figure out the rest as we go along. Nice. Well, and you've you've hit a very nice target as far as I can see that um, I think it's Shoppers Drug Mart has their whole beauty within campaign going on. And there's um, like there's a ton of industries right now that are getting on board with we want our products to be healthy and and we want them to hit a lot of different graphics. Exactly. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that there's a lot of fluff in amongst all of that marketing because, oh, yeah. you know, there are ingredients that <laughs> there are ingredients. <laughs> I know, I know there are ingredients that are very safe, uh, but they don't really have the overall effect that they're being marketed to say they do. You know, it's it's more of a it's more of a marketing tactic than it is a performance. Um, but ultimately, there are some really, you know, uh, innovative technologies that are coming out and, and exist now in the cosmetic space that are really, re you know, revolutionizing the way, uh, you know, people manufacture and uh, the performance that they have in the products and their impact on the skin. So it's a really interesting space to be in at the moment. And innovation is um, is probably innovation in the cosmetic industry is probably at its highest now because there's just so many new technologies and it's just it's great to see because it keeps it keeps everyone inside of the company you know well sorry i can only speak for our company but it keeps everyone inside of our company um you know really focused with uh you know with a purpose they, they what they're doing matters and they have the freedom and flexibility to research and develop uh many different things that they want to try and Ultimately, they're all building our own catalog to where, you know, any company anywhere around the world could come in and say, hey, look, um, we're looking for this type of product. And, you know, we're like, well, look, we already have this base formula tried and tested. We can now take your process, which was going to be 16 weeks, and we can bring it down to four weeks more, more than likely and get it into your hands. So it's, uh, yeah, look, it's it, 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 it's a really exciting space to be in, but it, it ultimately, like every business does come with its challenges too. What? You have challenges yeah. in business? No way. No. Yeah, don't let the smile <laughs> fool you. <laughs> Before we get into that, let's start kind of look at who do you serve and support? Who are your ideal clients? Are you going straight into kind of the, um, you know, Hollywood and the movies or are you going to the shoppers, drug mart, you know, drug stores? What are you there's actually a lot of different avenues. I mean, our core business right now is in distribution. I mean, we manufacture and and sell our products to distributors who distribute distribute into brick and mortar stores and uh, wholesalers across the different countries. Um, but now, with with the additional products that we're manufacturing, there's a little bit of a, a more strategic move into building partnerships with retail stores who either want a private label or maybe even carry some of the new product lines, the umbrella brands that we're developing underneath our, you know, underneath our, our, our core company. So um, th there's a lot of different moving, you know, moving avenues right now. And I think right now, because we don't really have a product line that's solely and specifically focused on one demographic, we actually have the option to reach out to essentially any type of company, whether it's an e-commerce company that wants to start a brand, whether it's uh, you know an e-commerce company that's already in existence that wants to expand their brand, uh, as I said, whether it's a retailer who have brick and mortar stores or online stores, they, the the choices are endless for us now. Nice, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I'm super excited for you. So, what would you say right now is your favorite part of the business? 
I think right now at the moment, my favorite part of the business is watching people uh, kind of transform into the people that that we know that they can be. Like when we when they came on board with us, is you know one of the commonalities that I'm finding, especially in you know previous companies that are you know our team has been working for, is that they were very restricted about uh, around processes that they use to develop products, and that that's required. Like that is required, but. How how does somebody such as like let's say a cosmetic chemist who gets into the industry to innovate, um, you know, how are they supposed to improve and you know uh, really explore what they're really truly capable of without that freedom? So for me, that's the most enjoyable part is allowing the people the freedom to uh, implement, make mistakes, uh, provide feedback, uh, get some insight. And then make the changes and improve. So to me, that that that's probably right now where I'm at the most enjoyable part because we're starting to see relationships being formed uh, with uh, different companies and different individuals that we didn't have before, and that's all really down to um, the innovation that that our team is driving. You know, I'm sitting there watching this and and trying to lead it and give them support and nurture them where they're where where it's you know best effective, and they're just doing this, and it's it's just it's a pleasure to watch. That is awesome. And I can only imagine that it's completely opposite of the industry because I would think that the industry is going, hey, this is the designer, the creative, go and make what they're asking you to make as opposed to, hey, there's this really cool thing that I just found and I think we can make something out of it. And that's it. You know, even as recent as yesterday, I was on a development call with a company and, you know, our, our head chemist was on the call and it was really nice to hear, you know, they, they were able to say, listen, the, you know, one of the predominant reasons we, we chose to work with you guys is because you were able to get custom formula development samples into our hands like three times as fast as any other company. And the quality of the samples were phenomenal. And the reason I know we didn't have to say this, but I know internally the reason that the quality is is phenomenal is because we allow the freedom to explore and develop properly before before we bring it to testing so um that's part of the confidence that builds within the team and then before you know it they have other projects that are coming to them and they're like oh yeah i remember working on this project and this 100 works so they can implement it into this project without having to explore it all over again so it's really a domino effect and and, it, and it, the synergy when it all comes together is is quite inspiring Oh, yeah. So as, as a CEO of the company, how does that affect you in your like, hey, I think the company's going this way. Hey, but we got this stuff going on. It's like, oh, it's fascinating. How do you not end up <laughs> curtailing? Time studies. That's how. So <laughs> it, it was taught to me quite some time ago that the one of the key factors for yourself as a CEO or, uh, you know, even, you know, even as part of the team, a time study is really important. And I was taught um, it's two weeks of a real pain and you do it once every few months, but it actually keeps you on track so you don't get distracted and create confusion amongst the company. Because as you can imagine, as you're moving forward, in parallel with development, sales, or marketing, naturally people can tend to veer off in their own directions, right? So the way that I handle that is every few months I do a time study, I write down in 15 minute intervals uh, what I do for two weeks. Uh, at the end of those two weeks, I break it up into three three sections. There's a strategic, tactical, and self-care. And if I find myself more in the tactical, uh, if I find myself uh, in a percentage more in the tactical space, I know that I'm being let off the beaten track. So I have to then look back at what I was doing in that tactical section and realize what I need to put back onto other, uh, you know, team members' plates in order to keep those wheels 
on track and moving in the same direction rather than going off. So that that to me is the one key thing that solves, I'd say, 90% of the problems. Nice. I love it. So what is one of the areas where you, well, actually I'm, I'm going to hold off to where are you excited of the company's going? But right now I want to kind of back up the bus a bit. And in your opinion, kind of when you were transitioning from that low kind of six uh, figures into the the stage that you're in now, what are some of the things that you might've done differently had you known kind of, if you could look back now and go, hey, Ryan, <laughs> do this different, what would you tell um, so for me, looking back, I mean, there's a couple of key things I, I, so when we were in the really heavy, uh, growth phase of our company, um, time was a real issue and resources was a real issue for me. I, I was working six days a week, 12 to 15 hour days. And you know what, unfortunately that's what was required for who I was at the time, because I didn't know any different and I didn't have the support or the, uh, the circle of people around me that could guide me any differently. Um, what I did find was that, um, looking back on it now, I would do things differently by not being afraid of letting go of, of things. Uh, because, you know, one of the, one of the key challenges you have when you're growing a business is that you feel sometimes that no one can do it as good as you. And the truth of the matter is you couldn't be more wrong. There are people that can do it as good as you and way better. You just have to, rather than spend the time doing it all yourself, spend the time finding that person. Uh, when you hire your first one or two key hires in your company, it's probably one of the most uh, fearful things that you have to do because you know you're hiring this person to put the responsibility of the whole operation in their hands. And um, I just wish, you know, looking back on this at the six figure mark, I would have made that decision sooner because it would have saved me a lot of time. Uh, moving into the seven figure mark. It becomes more about your systems because they break and they break often. You know, there's there's a there's a big gap in between one million and ten million. You know what I mean? Um, and that gap, uh, you know, requires a lot of personal development because you need to be quick to fix the systems, but you also need to be quick to lead people to help them when they're experiencing challenges that they haven't experienced before. Um, when you move into the eight figure mark, I think that's where the game really changes for, 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 for the individual who's running the company. I think it becomes more about leadership and about your strategic vision and more of how you're contributing to the people in the company rather to the company itself. It's almost like you're taking not a backseat to the company, but you're actually keeping an eye on the, uh, the channels rather than the activities. Awesome. So where, what exciting projects are you working on right now? I don't um, for you. There, there's a ton of new projects we're working on, but I think one of the key ones that we're working on at the moment is a new adhesive product. Um, we were able to revolutionize the industry with the new product, the, the water-based solution that we launched to the market back in 2009. Uh, now we have the opportunity to do that again. And while we're very tight-lipped about it, um, because we haven't launched it, it's probably going to launch probably Q3 of this year. Uh, we know that the technology that we've developed from the adhesive products are now going to remove the need for many of the prep uh, activities that are required through the application process. And it's going to leave the hair wear or wig wear in a place where um, there's less chance of them irritating their scalp when they're removing it. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a new technology. I can't release too much about it now, but it's going to, we've tested it with some of our, you know, with, with some of our, our close uh, ambassadors and they're screaming at me for more of it. And, and is it coming out? So I'm excited about that. And you know what, it's going to, 
basically it's going to put a degree of separation in between our competitors and our counterfeiters because you know look our brand is heavily counterfeited um we lose uh, multiple millions of dollars a year in counterfeit uh, uh in in monetary value through counterfeit sales and it's part of a, a an ongoing process that we're um, trying to solve, you know, we've done that through um, custom apps that have been built to protect our brand. Uh, and it's also been done, unfortunately, through a very ne necessary uh, legal expense that we've had to undertake to to fight them. Oh, that sucks. Um, and I can appreciate where you're going, that that's a whole lot of energy that you just really don't want to have to focus on, period. It's like, come up yeah. with your own ideas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And look, that's the unfortunate part of the industry, whether it's, you know, you know, whether it's clothing, um, you know, cosmetics, it doesn't matter. It's going to exist everywhere. The, I think the only difference is, is that you're not talking about a purse or a handbag or a piece of clothing. You're talking about a product that's being applied to the skin. So it does come with a little bit more concern and seriousness. Right. Absolutely. It does. And so I, I immensely appreciate the effort that you're putting into it. So that's fantastic. So um, what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're going, oh my God, Ryan, we need you in our company so badly. <laughs> yeah, look, I think depending on the industry, um, there's many different types of stumbling blocks people will come across. But I, I think when you're growing a company, there there's some really, you know, key pillars that, you know, you need to look at because when you hit, for example, if you hit a, you know, a phase of growth and you start, you know, you start to plateau off that. Uh, normally, it becomes very difficult to break that threshold because the leadership team in the company becomes the bottleneck. I've been that bottleneck. You know, I've seen other people be the bottleneck. Um, it's it's really natural and it's common, but it's good to be aware of it so you can try to fix it. And the way you try to fix it is, again, through time studies and figuring out where you can offload and transfer responsibility to allow somebody to focus on it rather than being pulled in many different directions. Um, another part of, of, of the process uh, when you're growing your business, I'm a firm believer, is that simplicity makes the biggest impact. So we as humans tend to overcomplicate things on so many levels. And I think if you look at what are the you know two or three key things that I can do right now that could actually just bring things forward tomorrow and then repeat those processes, I think that's the way to look at it. Because what you'll find is that um, somebody might go, okay, listen, our bottleneck right now is in our sales. Um, you know, right now our customers who are trying to sign up for accounts are having trouble and they write out this whole long complex process uh, and it takes them six months to implement. Uh, and we been again, I've been there too. We've been there too. I know what that's like. Um, but you have to look at that and going, okay, what, what's the one thing that I can do right now that can actually remove that roadblock? So it, maybe it's a case of actually just pausing both ends of the sales process and getting your sales team to go all in and actually just managing it sometimes even through an Excel sheet, you know, whatever it is to look at your list and actually know that you're calling people and you have a, and you have a, um, a direct, uh, a, a direct line of communication of what's happened through the whole process. That's a hell of a lot better than a broken system where you're trying to read and manage the different data. So the other part is, is that don't overcomplicate your business with uh, a bunch of software that you don't need. We used to have probably 10 pieces of software we used. And what we ended up doing is we ended up pairing it back to two. And um, it was three, but now it's two. And we ended up um, you know, taking a big, long, complex lead generation funnel and breaking it down to three steps. And that really created the biggest impact in our company. So simplicity works. And I think those are really the three pillars that, that are vitally important to look at when you're 
in the phase of growing a company. Nice. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start the journey, whether they're looking to brand or bring your products in retail? All that kind of fun stuff. Um, yeah. So we're on all major social media channels, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, my main hangout is LinkedIn. So um, that that's probably the best place to catch me directly. Um, you know, our website is prohairlabs.com. So look, if there is, you know, if there is any of your listeners who they themselves or know somebody who are looking to enter the e-commerce space from a beauty perspective, or if they have a brick and mortar store, they want to expand their line at the very least, give us a call and talk to us. Because even if, you know, we don't end up doing business together, uh, you'll come away from the call knowing a lot more than you did before. So, uh, and to me, that's key for, for majority of things is education. It's once the person has the information, at least they can make the best choice that they can with, with, with what they have available. Absolutely. I love it. So we will have all of your links in the show notes, of course, and peeps go check that out. You know how to find the show notes. So Ryan, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh, for me, it was when I was very young. I actually always knew and growing up in the environment I did that, that I wanted to work for myself and I wanted to uh, contribute to something on a higher level, you know, because I like through different channels, whether it's been sport or music, which I'm uh, very passionate about, uh, they were my main focuses growing up, you know, and um, when I was able to transition into when I was able to transition that into something that um I could really make a go of, you know, where, where there was more of a, a possibility of doing it. Um, I think that's, that, that's really where I found my, you know, my momentum. Um, so that's uh, yeah, look, it, it started when I was very young and it's just kind of, it's always been there as far as I can remember. I love it. You have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for peeps? Yeah, I, I would just say no matter, you know, if you're starting a business or if you're you're in in a you know in a growing business, uh just always remember, I think the key thing of it is is that you know sometimes you know in your circle people will know better than you and it's always good to take that advice and guidance, but it's not always a one size fits all. Uh I think what works for somebody doesn't necessarily work for the next, but I think it's the foundational insights that help us all move forward. So I think regardless of whatever information you get from people, always remember just make your own decisions and move forward with that because all it takes for a lot of people is for somebody to disagree with them or for them to say that something is not going to work. And really all it is, is in most cases is them projecting their fears on you. So just forget about all of those distractions and what people say to you, because at the end of the day, uh, you know best. And if you don't know best, you'll make the mistake and you'll learn from it and you you'll know best the next time. So just keep moving forward. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thanks, Michelle. Appreciate it. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlock. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.